Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today, I am absolutely delighted to bring to you David Burney of Ergo Consultancy. David, uh, lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, lots of exciting things to, to be talking about today. Uh, some subjects there which I'm desperate to find a little bit more about. But before we get into all the reads of it, can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and Ergo Consultancy, please? Sure. Thanks for having me, Toby. So in the first instance, Ergo focuses on the single thing, which is trading and execution for asset managers. Anything that happens after a portfolio manager says buy or sell something to the point after that trade is done, that's our world. It's a fun and, and, and a busy world at the moment, I would have thought. And uh, specifically over the last year, where I think I've been hearing more and more and more about this particular area and the innovation within it. So there's going to be plenty to uh, to come in, come you know come through and talk about. I've noticed a little bit more of a trend towards outsourced trading and, and such like, and I want to talk through a, a, a little bit about that over the course of today, uh, your role in the space, and also whether that's something which you're, you're, you're actually offering as well. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, your, your role in outsourced trading. Sure. Nice opening. Um, so <laughs> outsourced trading uh, is a subject that appears to have been around forever, and lots of people have spoken about it and it seemed to be growing and uh, it's always going to be jammed tomorrow in the outsource trading world. The truth is lockdowns really played into outsource trading's hands. What's happened is every portfolio manager is now sitting remote from his trader. Yeah. And whilst it might still be their man in their organization doing their trading, the remote element has given everyone a free trial of what an outsource trading operation looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and, and, I, and I love listening to these sort of things at the moment because I think we've seen so many positives and negatives so over the last year and it's those positives of sort of, sort of you know you mentioned playing into in, into the right hands at that sort of stage this is um one of the areas that's, that's benefited what, what what's why is it you know with with a dispersed i guess um client base and people working in, in the way that the, the outsource trading comes into what have been some of the advantages for people to be able to look at that side of things there's been quite a lot of publicity that says outsource trading has been a huge beneficiary of, of lockdown. And we're slightly running counter to that. I mean, anyone who didn't have to make a change through lockdown didn't try and change their organisation. If they could make the thing work, they would make it work normally. And they were trying to avoid change. Yeah. But for people who were struggling or having headwinds in kind of getting trades done, outsourcing was a very quick solution. So I think there have been decent moves towards outsourcing in lockdown, but I think they are over and above what would have been happening normally. I mean, for our, from our perspective, we probably have not converted any client that was looking at outsourcing from March 2020 to now. Wow. They're all still in the wings. We have done some outsource trading gigs. We're actually building a trading desk for an asset manager now, but actually, these are all new clients who weren't considering before lockdown. So there's been a change of who is outsourcing rather than this great rush. You think the great rush is still in the wings? Yeah, yeah. And I think that I've been talking about the core spring for some time in terms of the, the wider economy as a whole, but also certain elements of it. We, we I, I think there's going to be a, a 
you know, a, a sort of rush that we haven't seen since the, the sort of early electronic electronification of the trading markets that happens in terms of innovation and digital innovation over the course of the next five years. So very, very excited about all of this. So coming back to Ergo itself, you know, yourselves, and you're not necessarily offering outsourcing yourselves, but you do uh, work within the space. What do asset managers actually get from talking to you about this subject at the moment? Sure, it's a good point, because actually everyone thinks when we talk about it, we must do it, and we don't. So we don't offer outsourcing at all. What we do is we work with asset managers who have questions, concerns, issues around parts of their process on trading and execution. And we evaluate on an outsourced trading basis, we evaluate offerings. So we work with an asset manager, we look at the internal workings and we try and work out what value they might need. It's often a case that people think everyone outsources all of their asset classes. That's actually not the norm. Mm. The norm is that people outsource some parts of their operation. So if you take a long short equity hedge fund, standard kind of offering, they're probably really good at trading their underlying asset class. They've got a guy in the office who does the trading for that. But what you'll find is if you look around the process, there's some other asset classes that they just don't do in the same way. So if they're really good at trading long short equity, they're probably not so good at doing the FX or they might be somewhat weak on the fixed income piece. Their derivatives might not be as well done as their equities. Yeah. The MIFID 2, you have to have everything working at the same level. Yeah. So what we do more often is called co-sourcing, where an asset manager keeps their core skill in-house and they outsource the stuff that is non-core. Yeah. Sometimes that's asset class and sometimes that's geography. So they might outsource Asia, for instance. Yeah. And you come into the into the party here to help them connect in those sort of areas and bring that sort of, uh, you know, let them concentrate on their super strengths and, and bring in super strengths in other areas to be able to allow them to pay their best across more consistently. Yeah. So our, our input really is to say, you, Mr. Asset Manager, have got a different set of requirements to every other asset class, every other asset manager we've ever seen. Um, and they are all bespoke. Literally no two gigs have ever been the same in our world. Okay. So when we look at each individual client, we see an individual set of requirements. We've actually outsourced transaction reporting for some, but not all. We've outsourced equities for some, but not all. So we end up doing a piece of due diligence. We work out what it is they need. We have arguably the largest range of outsourcers in our offering. I mean, numbers are huge, far bigger than anyone thinks. I mean, if you were to take just the UK and EU, we'd be north of 40. If you include the US, it gets beyond that. I mean, these are big numbers of firms and they've all got specialities. Some do derivatives only, some do fixed income only. And so you need to be able to work out which one or combination of outsourcers any given asset manager needs. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's sort of. I mean, on that sub subject of a sort of specialization and, and what and where they go, there's obviously numerous different models for for outsourcing as well. Talk yeah. us through the sort of different, um, you know, the different models that there are in the space. Because as much as we talk about a uh, disparity across all of the different asset classes, there's also different sort of models to increase the complexity in all of this as well. Which is why yeah. I guess you know, companies like yours can thrive. Tell us a little bit more about those models. There's a few different ranges of models. So in the first instance, we don't subscribe to any idea that one is the answer. Actually, every model has got its use case. Uh, and there's no one size fits all. That's, uh, that runs counter to some of the people who offer outsourcing in the space who say this model is the one we're offering and it's the, it's the best. It isn't because people's requirements are different. 
So the first difference really is the agency model, which is the one that operates predominantly in the UK, where you have one relationship with one outsourcer and your outsourcer has the relationships with the brokers in the street. So your trading is always done against your outsourcer and your outsourcer executes against the street, but you only have a single counterparty. Versus the model which works more commonly in Europe, which is called RTO, predominantly in Paris, this is big in Paris, uh, which is receipt and transmission of orders. The difference being that the underlying asset manager holds the relationship with a broker and the remote dealing desk, outsourcer for a different word, the remote dealing desk executes the order but in the name of the underlying client and the underlying client often does the settlement themselves. So there's two different models there. Um, that's based on geography and based largely on size, um, whether you choose one or the other. The second is the style of the provider you choose. Do you choose a pure outsourcer who only does outsource trading? Do you choose your custody bank who does custody and does execution as an outsource service as well? Or do you work with a firm like a prime broker or larger services, financial services firm that covers a whole load of services? And there are reasons why each person chooses a different answer. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, a, yeah, that, that's sort of a bespoke element is something there, which I think we've seen probably come to the fore more than ever before over the course of the last year or so, where uh, people aren't having blanket solutions. They're looking at options and they're, they're seeing what, what works best for them, which sort of segues nicely on to, to the, the whole concept of a pre-decision checklist. I think this is something which is is underestimated in a lot of decision making around around tech and selection around it. But if you're looking at a pre decision checklist, easy for me to say, around <laughs> uh, asset managers that they go through when considering outsourcing like a portion or all of their trading desk, what are some of the things that you really think should should come to the fore in it? So the first one, the first thing that a manager should really get their head around is the difference between an agency and an RTO model. Yeah. They need to understand each of them and work out why one suits their needs better than the other. So that's point one. Yeah. Then they should work out the costs of each model. All trading and execution has implicit and explicit costs. And managers really need to be able to understand the difference of both of those. The choice of which type of provider to choose is probably the, the next one. So do they get confidence from a large multifaceted financial services firm or prefer the relatively similar and simpler and potentially less conflicted offering from an execution specialist like a pure outsourcer. Yeah. We don't subscribe to one. We actually really do have to work out with the client what they need. Yeah. And they genuinely all need something different. Yeah. And I guess that's where you, where you earn your stripes, right? Because it's, uh, you know, as you say, this is, a, this is a, a, a not a, simply, a simple process to go through. And as you say, with everyone needing something bespoke and different for each part of it, that becomes a really important uh, process for people to go through. So, so with people coming through this and thinking a little bit more about where they place their, their thought process and where, you know, where this comes together, it's obviously a growing area as you've been talking about. It's something there where we're seeing more and more movement over the course of 2020 because of the nature of how business is being run. Um, you know, potentially for, you know, you know whilst I, I things will go back to a little bit more normality over the course of this year, nothing's going to be the same again. So, so, with regards to what you've seen over the last year and moving further forward, how common is it for firms actually to sort of sit there and completely outsource their trading desk? And do you think it will become even more, you know, even more common as it moves further forward? We touched on this before, and it does depend on the business model of the manager. Yeah. You know, a small startup hedge fund 
might be more likely to outsource all of its trading. Yeah. Um, a medium-sized firm might outsource something if it moves into a new asset class. A large asset manager might decide that they need support because there's a change in their focus yeah. or just that they've got more work on certain days and need a DR plan. So there's a lot of different reasons. It's not that common for complete outsourcing. That's not to say it doesn't happen. I mean, but it's much more common than people realize to outsource part yeah. of the thing that you don't do well. That's far more normal than people realize. I think there's there's huge sense to that, right? Because uh, I think so often in business, full stop, you see people who are trying to uh, be all things to all people. Uh, and and you know you end up trying to do you end up doing a couple of bits of your business really well and then losing the reputation for what you're not doing particularly well. So that ability to level the playing field, I think, is is a fascinating uh, element of it. I've been reading obviously a little bit about uh, Ergo recently, and I've seen the term pop up about Execution Plus. Um, what's tell us about the plus? <laughs> the plus. So the plus is the bit that the asset manager can actually get value out of beyond the execution piece. So pretty much all outsourcers are great at execution. That's part of their business. They're really good at TCA. They actually have to live or die by their execution quality. And so to a greater or lesser extent, the execution is not the thing that wins the gig for yeah. the outsource provider. What actually wins the gig is the stuff that they also do whilst doing execution. And different people have different requirements. So we talked about transaction reporting earlier it's not very well known you can actually outsource not just transaction reporting but even the regulatory responsibility for it yeah you still think we're the only firm to have ever done it in the uk but it's definitely doable and there's my exclusive yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely doable and if that's the thing you're having trouble with outsourcing your trading might be the answer to solving it yeah that's exactly how it worked on the client we worked with when we did it the first time. They didn't call us in for an outsource trading gig. They called us in because they had a transaction reporting failure. Yeah. We looked at their processes and we said, really? There's quite a few holes in best execution here. Why don't we do something? Solve, I think we solved five problems in the end. Right. So we solved DR, um, cover on the dealing desk, transaction reporting, execution in terms of best execution monitoring and TCA. Yeah. We just outsourced and we got the outsourcer to manage the whole process. And that took a huge load off the asset manager and improved their execution quality. And they're still using the same buy, the same firm for three, four years later. Fantastic. I love hearing stories like that. And and uh, and so you, you coming in there and being able to sort of uh, revamp the business has allowed them to move uh, you know, move move further forward with, with them. And talk to me about the size of that business. Is that, a, is that a big company, a small company, or? So they had assets of about three hundred and fifty million. Okay. You know, small relatively. Yeah. We've done we've done beauty parades for firms bigger and well, ten times more than ten times bigger than that and smaller than that. Yeah. In fact, the process for selecting an outsourcer is the same. We yeah. go and we learn about the we learn about the firm. We know what we know about outsourcing. We help the asset manager understand what it is they need to try and achieve. Yeah. And then we go and create a beauty parade to get them to select it. Most yeah. times, by the way, people save more money on the execution costs than uh, than our invoice covers anyway. Uh, that, so, 
the particularly at this time, uh, you know, when uh, when cost reduction and friction reduction are probably some of the most important words that you're hearing at the, at the moment. That's uh, that sort of ROI is absolutely what people are looking for in the marketplace right now. So it's good to hear. And you mentioned there about the sort of size and scale of, of businesses, and and uh, you know, I think I think the buy side is such a fascinating space because you have got this sort of uh, one man bands and and, you know, uh, and and startup shops all the way through to to genuine giants in you know in in the industry all of whom have probably similar and uh, similar aspects but also very um intricate and uh, and and unique sort of aspects of their business as well if you look at this and, and where a lot of people would look at outsourcing traditionally it's you, you get into the you know, the bigger arenas and they've probably got you know bring everything in house when you look at smaller businesses it's favored by smaller firms is that something that, you, that you're seeing or, or is, this a, is this a wider opportunity, a wider picture? Um, it's definitely the perception. Right? So that's what everyone thinks. Everyone thinks it's the small man that outsources and the big man doesn't. Yeah. It's actually not how the world works. Okay. So what works is it depends upon the needs of the asset manager. So we, the biggest gig that we ever did for an outsource um, beauty parade was for a huge household name manager who was thinking about Brexit planning. And yeah. we, we ran a beauty parade to select an outsourcer on the, in the EU so that they could use that EU execution capability to solve a Brexit problem. Interesting. It's a firm that you wouldn't have thought was going to outsource anything. And, you know, completely different scale to the one that you'd normally consider for an outsourcer. Yeah. So it's not quite as black and white as people think, but it is, it's more of a trend. You know, we're not going to see BlackRock outsourcing all their trading everyone keeps talking about whether they're going to become an outsourcer themselves yeah but it's it's, it's a very much for them isn't it and and uh, it comes about what makes sense as you say that there's a great case study as to as to what areas do make sense and mm. not everyone has to be all things to all, to all people at all stages and i think that's probably a trend that we've seen people recognize and be more open to external collaboration than ever before over the course of the last 12 months and i think that's probably a trend we're going to see a little bit further Let, let's let's look forward at the moment and keep that sort of uh, um you know crystal ball out there at the moment operational um infrastructure and expertise and you know moving into that's 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 a that's a realm with, with you at the moment and yeah how will the outsourced trading landscape look over the course of the next five years in your opinion it's a great question and do you know the truth is it's hard to predict i might have to ask that question in our next webinar <laughs> There's a link. Have you got one coming up? <laughs> 31st of March. <laughs> so you can find it on the Ergo Consultancy website, ergoconsultancy.com. Sounds like a plan. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you're doing with it. So we have a run of uh, outsourcers and, uh, and other service providers. The, um, the normal form is to try and teach people what can be outsourced that they didn't think about up to this point. So the idea is most of these is to give people a broader understanding of what can be done in an outsourced world yeah. and to allow people to have some sort of comparison. So, so far we've had uh, Cowan, Russell, Osmo on the first webinar. We had Outset Global, Jones Trading, Wells Fargo on the second one. And this one coming up, we've got the Texas of Paris and Stonex in the US um, plus um, the editor from Best Execution magazine, which okay. is released an outsourced trading article. Yeah. And, and that whole thing really is uh, about 
just getting the conversation going so that people start to realize the question. See, most times people don't really understand the questions they could ask. Yeah. If they have a problem, they say, can we do this? When we go and do the due diligence, we find many more things that they could solve at the same point. As we talked about with the early asset manager with the transaction reporting, you know, it's a, it's a game of finding out what can be done while you're doing this, because actually quite a lot can. And it's just a kind of a point to make here. Most people could do this beauty parade themselves. Yeah. Not saying that we've got a skill that no one else can have. We've got a, a list of outsourcers that would take them a really long while to find, and I doubt they actually ever would. But that's not why they buy our services. They buy them because it would take someone six months to get to a reasonable level of knowledge. So they buy a kind of time saving with us because we'll turn the thing around in six weeks. Yeah. Everyone's got a full time job. No one's got enough spare time to go and do a really long piece of research on this. And in the end, and this makes me laugh because every time I say it in a pitch, people just nod sagely. What they buy is the report that we write at the end. Mm. So we write a report that says, here's what we did. Here's who we spoke to. This is the beauty parade we got to at the last piece. This is the selection we made and this is why. I spend hours writing that report. Everyone receives it. They put it in their bottom drawer and they don't really look at it terribly often. <laughs> what happens though is someone walks in from the regulator or due diligence investor questionnaire comes in and says, why did you choose that outsourcer? They open the drawer, they dust off David's report, and actually, there's the answer. It's yeah. independent. No one had any other view on it. It's verifiable. It's justifiable. And actually, we probably saved them more money than it cost to write the report in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Well, therein you've uh, you've answered so many questions about what you know why this and and you know and actually, if you look at the sort of very basis of consultancy and anything, be it. You know, my, my main line of work, recruitment consultancy, management consultancy, whatever it may be, it's that ability to, uh, you know, to save time and to, you know, anyone can do most of these things, as you say, but it's where does it give you that opportunity to, to uh, speed up the process, to make sure you've got access to the, you know, to the very best information, um, you know, quickly and to, and to hand and, and tapping into networks around that as well so i think it's a fascinating piece you're talking about 31st of march we'll do it T tell me again where you where you can uh, find out a little bit more about that i'm sure we'll be able to put a link at the end of the uh, of the chat toby but ergoconsultancy.com ergoconsultancy.com it will be on there we'll like we'll tag it in when we put this out on social media as well uh, David, it's absolutely fascinating to talk about this. This is a subject which I think we could go uh, on and on and on about. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, finding out the, the, the asterisk to the end of this conversation, which is uh, what we're going to be looking like over the next five years. So I'm going to hold you to it if I'm not finding out on that webinar. Uh, oh, we're we're going to be putting part two into it as well any, anyway, but it sounds like you've got a great lineup for that and uh, thoroughly looking forward to getting involved. David, for people who've, who've heard this and saying, Do you know what, this ticks my box, in terms of what I need to be looking at and need to be doing at the moment. Uh, you, you mentioned the website there as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that, that uh, social media is a good place. Is there anywhere else that people should be looking at and who should be talking to you at the moment as well? The easy answer for that is anyone who's got a question about the process of execution. Not to say that theirs is bad or there's anything wrong with it, but just they want to ask a question and find out if there's an alternative view. And we always, we always have a free conversation at the beginning. You know, the first hour is always free with us. You can do it on Zoom, you can do it on call. You can send an email to david at ergoconsultancy.com. 
that's easy enough. Or you can find me, David Burney, B-E-R-N-E-Y on LinkedIn. And, uh, and at that point, ask a question, any question, or just start a conversation because someone actually asked me just this morning, have you got a flyer you can send? And I had to answer, I don't have a flyer because everything we do is bespoke. Yeah. If I wrote one for one gig, it wouldn't work for the next one. The only way to really do this is to have the conversation and then we will start to explore what you could think about that will help you develop whatever plan you need, whatever yeah. your asset management style, whether you're a hedge fund or you know a long only manager, you're a family office. Everyone's got something that could be done better in their execution process. Okay. Well, listen, that's a great way to, uh, to, to round up. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing it and good luck with the uh, webinar on the 31st of March. Really good to talk to you about it all and looking forward to hearing a little bit more again and seeing you all over the screen over the course of the next month or so. Uh, thank you all everyone for watching. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. David Burney and from me, it's a thank you and goodbye. Thanks a lot.